break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we're back with you here in The Punch-Out 2-22-21. Almost there, not exactly. Wasn't here for you for 221-21, but happy to be back with you on this Monday, the 22nd here, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as we always are on the Punch-Out. Plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. Going to be talking about a crisis as it concerns clean water in Texas. Also going to be talking about the people of Haiti continuing to resist. But before we get to either of those Two very important stories. We want to touch on political corruption in real time here in the United States. Well, Ken Griffin, probably not someone you've ever heard of, is a billionaire hedge fund manager. He's got a net worth of, they say, just over $20 billion that he gets from his majority-owned hedge fund, Citadel. A big-time Wall Street player that plays with tens of billions of dollars on a regular basis. Mr. Griffin is also the perfect example of the totally legal axis of corruption between corporate America and the U.S. political system. Mr. Griffin particularly came into focus for me when I noticed a statement he made in recent hearings in uh, Congress as it concerned the GameStop thing. He stated that U.S. capital markets, quote-unquote, that's Wall Street to you and I, were the, quote-unquote, envy of the world. And that, quote, individual investors are better served by America's markets than ever before. And it's critical that our markets continue to be a force for fairness and integrity. Hmm. Fairness and integrity. Better served than ever. I don't know if anyone was actually thinking that about Wall Street and capital markets after the GameStop thing. And the fairness and integrity piece just really just stopped me a bit there. I mean, just first and foremost, is any hedge fund on earth actually renowned for fairness or integrity or anyone on Wall Street? Does anyone think fairness and integrity when you think Wall Street? I don't think so. And when it comes to Citadel, if you know what's actually happening and you read what's written down on paper about their own record, you will see they also themselves are not exactly a Citadel or a fortress, if you will, for fairness or integrity. Now, in fact, Citadel Securities has been fined and or censured, fined and or censured 59 times in the past 12 years. That's basically five every year for 12 years, where overall, 59 times, they were fined or censured. Just last year, they had to pay a $700,000 fine for executing customer orders at prices worse than what it traded for its own account. In 2018, they paid a $3.5 million fine for falsifying the information behind 80 million trades. Yes, 80 million trades. They just falsified the records on 80 million trades. Wow. 
And the SEC, of course, noted when they find them that when you falsify the trades, that is something that helps further corrupt activities. Further corrupt activities. If you don't know what's going on, the SEC, that is, they can't really actually hold people accountable. So, yes, 80 million trades, falsified the records. Overall, 59 times in the past 12 years, find or censure. Not exactly a fairness and integrity machine there. So how does one seemingly violate laws and regulations so openly all the time without anything more than a slap on the wrist? Oh, and by the way, it really is a slap on the wrist because many of these fines come with terms where you don't have to admit wrongdoing. So you pay for breaking the rules, but you don't actually have to admit that you did what you're paying for. It's a pretty sweet deal there. That's actually the way it works. Believe it or not, most corporate crimes are actually dealt with uh, very much in that way, especially on Wall Street. But when you really get down to it, the reason why it even is that way and we have that kind of system is because Mr. Griffin and people like him pay for the privilege. In the past two years alone, Griffin has donated $60 million to various Republican political groups to back candidates who, just incidentally, I'm sure, use their time and efforts to promote the laxest regulations on Wall Street they can possibly get away with. Between November 13th of 2020 and the 17th of December 2020, Griffin spent $8 million on one super PAC alone. The National Victory Action Fund that was mainly designed at that time to help Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue get elected to the Senate in uh, Georgia there. And just so you get a sense of what he was buying, just to give you a sense who these National Victory Action Fund people really are, here's one of their campaign ads. Now we take Georgia, and then we change America. Georgia's Senate runoffs are too close to call. This is the last stand for Republicans. If we lose, socialists take total control of America. But if every patriot chips in just 5 or $10 today at SaveTheSenateUSA.com, Republicans David Perdue... Yeah, that... There you have it. The day before shelling out his first million to NVAF for ads like the one you just heard, Griffin dropped $10 million. $10 million into the coffers of the Senate Leadership Fund. That's the main Republican Senate super PAC out there. It's linked to Mitch McConnell very closely. They too were focused on Georgia. And here's a bit of what Griffin's money put on the airwaves. We know John Ossoff hid cash from Chinese communists and terrorist sympathizers. But Ossoff's lies can't hide his radical agenda, threatening to defund the police. If Ossoff wins, liberals will control Washington. But Georgia can stop them. There it is. So just think about it. Not that ad. Think about the overall situation. But that certainly gives you a sense who these people are. You've got a Wall Street billionaire who's frequently breaking the rules, the laws, dropping $18 million in one month to help put in place one senator who is from the family of the CEO of the New York Stock Exchange, worked there formerly herself, and another senator who was the CEO of Reebok and Dollar General, both of whom pledged fealty to a political agenda that reduces enforcement around the exact violations being committed by Griffin. How much more clear can you really get? You bankroll a major party, they back off of regulations, you do more shady stuff, you make more money, and you rarely get any significant punishment. Again, how clear can you be? If that ain't a 
I scratch your back, you scratch mine. I don't know what it is, in fact. And, and, you know, that's one more element to the whole thing I just want to add in here, just sort of parenthetical, but to how this political money machine funded by these billionaires works. You look at this National Victory Action Fund. They spent nearly $5 million paying, like, digital ad makers, people who do digital stuff for campaigning. They said nearly $5 million to one of these companies. They only actually took out, though, about $2.4 million in actual ad time. So they paid the people way more than they were actually putting on air for allegedly, I guess, what they were doing. Maybe they were doing other things for them. But $5 million uh, just for, you know, a few weeks of campaigning, if you were, uh, almost more than double what they spent on actual ad time. Now, the main company they paid on that front was a company called Targeted Victory, which... Didn't hit the target either time in either of these elections, but either way, they were one of the major right-wing digital firms in 2020. They took in $191 million during the 2020 election cycle. The CEO of Targeted Victory was the digital director for Mitt Romney's 2012 presidential campaign. And, you know, similar people, similar pedigrees for all the people on the team just about. So you can see how these massive donations create a whole ecosystem where poorly paid campaign operatives and uh, congressional staffers and the like can and become filthy rich campaign operatives, but only if the whole system keeps on turning. So you got the billionaires, you got the politicians, and you got the political industrial complex all combining here together to make sure big business interests stay in control of the parties, the candidates, the politics, and ultimately your life. And that's exactly why people are dying by the hundreds of thousands, and you can barely get any assistance from the government, including the $2,000 checks that they promised you. It's just all one big morass. We could do similar examinations on either side of the aisle of all sorts of very rich people, but we wanted to just take this statement by Mr. Griffin at that hearing about GameStop just to show that America's capital markets and the people behind them aren't about fairness or integrity, but corruption, both legal and the illegal kind, much to our detriment. Well, and those were the sounds from another Sunday of huge mass protests uh, with tens, perhaps hundreds of thousands of people in Haiti taking to the streets again around the country. The protesters there in Haiti are demanding that the dictator Jovenel Moyes, the former president, step down immediately after refusing to leave office at the end of his term on February 7th. And Moyes is mainly hanging on by thuggery, really, using regular and irregular armed forces to suppress opposition. And the reports, by the way, of people being brutally beaten, protesters, that is, over the last few weeks, they continue to just trickle out uh, of, of things that are happening on, on a regular basis. Now, despite these huge mass protests, the fact that Moyes dissolved parliament over a year ago, dissolved the Supreme Court this year, and that under his watch, the country has been in a complete economic tailspin, Partially facilitated, by the way, by the corruption of him and his own party. So despite this just completely absurd record and state of affairs, he has continued to hang on because of support from the United States. The U.S. is saying that there should be elections held as soon as possible. That's what they say. Uh, but, you know, this is a, a have your cake and eat it too type of moment when it comes to the U.S. wanting to represent quote unquote democracy. You've got the entire Haitian judiciary just about, including, by the way, the body that appoints all the judges that have 
noted that any elections under uh, Moyes, under the current regime, would be unconstitutional. And as popular commentators have noted, and we've pointed out on the show, he's already planning to do these elections specifically because it will submit his own power. It's a fraudulent election. So while the U.S. is pretending to be promoting democracy, what they really want is for him to be able to hold these elections quickly so that they can aid and abet establishing a fig leaf over a dictatorial set of, of, of rulers here and then just say it's a democracy and support it even more. And I think what that will mean is support even more a vicious crackdown on protest. So it's not about democracy. And it's really no surprise the U.S. actions because the U.S. usually supports only the governments in Haiti that are tied to the status quo setup of export agriculture and sweatshop labor, which has created a terrible situation for the just average masses of people in Haiti. 60% of Haitians live in poverty. 60% of Haitians live in poverty, 25%, a quarter of the country in extreme poverty. And public goods are underfunded to non-existent. Here's an example for you. 80% of Haitian schools are private. And of course, the uh, current dictatorial regime has sweetened the normal deal by backing U.S. policy in Venezuela, the absurd backing of this fake leader, Guaido, and they started backing them, by the way, after they looted about $4 billion in development aid Venezuela gave to Haiti. So steal the money that's meant for the people, then turn on the people who gave it to you to help the people. It seems likely that the protests will grow and intensify with the current state of affairs. There is no way that this dictator Moyes can be overthrown, it seems, other than mass struggle. Certainly no help coming from the United States. And that certainly means that the international solidarity that the Haitian protests received that will hopefully allow them to sustain even stronger than they already are, and they are very strong right now by the hundreds of thousands we see in the streets, could play a crucial role in the overall outcome. <laughs> Well, as the cold snap that hit Texas and much of the South starts to ease a little bit here and we see more people are getting power back, although many, many thousands do not have it, this is certainly good news. But we have to remember that the crisis is not over in any way, shape, or form. And in fact, sort of a new wave of this crisis, if you will, is starting to come into view here as we start this week, and that is the crisis of clean water. you got so many burst pipes and all sorts of other damage to water infrastructure that as of this morning, 8.8 million people in Texas alone did not have clean water and were under official boil water notices. In the Memphis area of Tennessee, as of last night, there are about 260,000 people in the same boat, no clean water. In Texas, by the way, 120,000 people still have no water at all. So almost 9 million don't have clean water in Texas. Almost 260,000 didn't have clean water in Memphis last night. And 120,000 people in Texas, still no water at all. And don't forget, this is in the middle of a pandemic where access to clean water is more important than it normally is. And it normally is essential. And many hospitals have also been very hard hit here. Uh, read one story of a rural hospital in Texas that had to use water from the swimming pool of its wellness center to refill the backup water that they had just to be able to keep things going there in the hospital. Now remember, middle of a pandemic. Some hospitals actually had to close briefly and many of them have become way behind in terms of COVID vaccinations. 
Now, you know, part of the uh, challenge here is that not everything that is broken is actually related to utilities either. There are many people who have issues in their homes or lines running to them that they control essentially, right? And they have to pay for any fixes. And the, without the fixes, they can't have the clean water. But it's not guaranteed that you will be fully reimbursed by FEMA if you will be reimbursed at all. So yes, they're bringing in more plumbers. Yes, they're working on the main lines, but there's more things that people probably have to pay for and that they may not able be able to fact, pay for and maybe no one will help them, but we shall see. Herculean efforts are going on. Herculean efforts are going on by community organizations. A lot of amazing stories out there. Millions of dollars being raised. People just doing whatever they can. And FEMA, after a bit of a lag, getting in the game here to supply water bottles as a temporary solution. It's a temporary solution. But, you know, the need for these sort of stop gaps is just another reminder of how absurd that we're, it is we're even in this situation. That the Texas utilities seem to have done no sort of worst-case scenario planning. Well, they just <laughs> who knows if they did the planning. They didn't do what they needed to do to prevent it. And it's really no surprise if you think about it. Texas has one of the most deregulated power markets out there. And being prepared for emergencies isn't profitable. You end up with stuff sitting around for a day uh, that may never in fact come. So when you're all about profit, you aren't going to want to have things sitting around and not making money for you. So you may know there are unlikely worst case scenarios, but since you view them as unlikely, you don't do anything. And generally that works out. But when it does not work out, you have massive human catastrophes with millions of people subjected to not having clean water for God knows how long. So when you think about it like that, you really have to say that profit over people is, is not just a, a state of mind, but it's, it's a, a destructive mentality that has shown us here in Texas, like just so many other places in just the past year, that if your number one goal is to make money and to sell things, you're not in a very good position to help people, certainly normally, and absolutely during major pandemics, disasters, catastrophes, and so on. So here we are yet again, yet again, seeing that the American way of putting the almighty dollar first is causing millions and millions of people serious, serious hardship. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York, East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles, Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom.